you know, I think too many people in life look at, look at a problem. They spend all the time talking about the problem, not about a solution. Welcome to Hoop Nerds with Billy Kegler, presented by the Wisconsin Basketball Coaches Association. We talk to coaches, athletes, and more to learn from their stories and apply learning lessons to improve each individual and stimulate growth for your program, team, staff, and self. Follow along as we explore success and failure en route to improving the game of basketball. Before we jump in today, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to my friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. I've been associated with their products for a few years now, and I'm really impressed by their innovative and user-friendly shooting machines. They also are great people with tremendous customer service. It's no wonder why they have become the preferred choice among top programs around the country and world. I'm very grateful for their support of the show. Make sure to check them out at drdishbasketball.com and at drdishbball on social media. Be sure to mention WBCA when ordering your next Dr. Dish to save an extra $300 off any commercial purchase. Coach Wilkins, let's start at the very beginning. Tell me about your the first time you coached something and a story that sticks with you from it. You know, my first job out of college, I was a high school teacher, Apex High School in Raleigh, um, North Carolina. And David Neal had just gotten a job as the head varsity coach. And I was going to be a varsity assistant and JV assistant, uh, you know, went to all the open gyms. And I still was young then. So I played and, uh, and had a blast and got to know him. And I got a great break, Billy. I went from uh, that to the guy who was going to be the JV head coach uh, was a football assistant too. And David didn't really know him. And then he got to know me and he said, Hey Ben, do you want to be the JV head coach? And uh, I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Like, you know, I'm right out of college. I get my own team. Um, so I got to be the JV head coach and varsity assistant. And uh, it was a ton of fun. And, and I had an amazing group of young men. Um, I guess they weren't young men. It's time they were boys. I mean, and, and it was so much fun. And uh, they sent me a picture and, you know, it's, it's one of the, the, the team pictures I still have in my office. I, I get a chance to look at those guys and reminisce. reminisce. It was special time. So uh, that was that was kind of the, the a cool moment for me. And, um, you know, uh, my team was luckily, Billy, I think God put me in a good position where we were so talented that we went 17 and one. So I'd really still like to coach. I think if my five year old son was coaching a team, they won 18 and 0. Uh, but I messed that one game up. But uh, it, it was fun because because they were so I mean, we were so talented. I mean, we had a couple of kids that probably put or should have played varsity. And uh, but it was it was a ton of fun with, with that group. All right. So from your start, can you give us the Cliff Notes version and walk us through your basketball journey and how it's led you to what you're doing now? I, I went to NC State as a student manager. First of all, I played I, I played more years of football and, and baseball. I grew up in Western PA, a big football area. Um, I picked up basketball. Uh, in ninth grade. And, and a guy named Brad Wetzel was my JV coach, who I still take, stay in touch with. And uh, he really shaped me um, and, and helped my love of basketball. And a guy named Joe Dunn was my varsity head coach. Um, and I uh, stay in touch with both of those guys. Uh, and, and, and Coach Dunn knew Herb Sendek, the head coach at NC State at the time for their Pittsburgh roots. And, um, you know, I, he knew I wanted the coach and I, I decided to be a student manager. And uh, so I went to ACC. I went to NC State simply because uh, it was the ACC and the best basketball there is. I, I never visited campus, Billy. I just said it's the it's the ACC. It's NC State. I'm in. And I got a chance to be a student manager. And I was a little naive. You know, maybe I should have visited campus and made sure. But I was like, hey, that's what I want to do in life. Um, so I went to NC State and, and I got lucky. You know, at the time, Sean Miller uh, was assistant coach. John Gross was assistant coach. Uh, Mark Phelps, who was a head coach at Drake, was an assistant coach. Kenny Hunter, who's assistant at Indiana, was our, was a GA. Mike Summy was a manager with me. He was an assistant at NC State. 
Uh, Archie Miller, uh, a good friend of mine, was 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 with me. So you know, I went there to learn basketball, and again, the universe, God, put me in an amazing spot where I, I was uh, surrounded by some unbelievable people. Um, and a little, little known fact for people: Herb Sendak, biggest Division One coaching tree in the country as far as head coaches. It's not a close second. You know, that's a trivia question for for one night for you, Billy. Um, people don't know how many head coaches have worked for Herb Sendak. It's amazing. And and then uh, and then I went from there um, to to Apex High School, like I said. Uh, and then, and then when I was there, uh, I, I um, tried to get a, a college job. As you know, it's so impossible. I wrote letters to everywhere on the East Coast, uh, and a guy named Ron Levensey at Barton College, a Division II school, kept my letter. And he said he was so moved by some of the words that I used. He gave me an opportunity that next year to be a full-time assistant. And you know, the venture of it, I, I made five thousand dollars with with no benefits, no uh, housing, no food. Um, and, and I have a um, my dad is an amazing amazing guy. And I talked to him and said, I'm going to have a full job, full time job, uh, make no money. And he said, Ben, this is what you want to do your whole life. He said, you have to do it. You'll regret it the rest of your life. And I went there and worked for an amazing guy with Ron Levensey. And uh, we built a, a great program. Uh, Division two team had won one NCAA tournament in 75 years. Uh, our final recruiting class, uh, we um, they won three regular season tournaments, uh, three regular season championships, three tournaments. I went to a round of 32, Elite Eight, and won a national championship. So that was a cool moment for me, sitting on my couch and seeing those guys. Uh, I, Herb Sinek had me back at NC State as a video guy, seeing those guys win a national championship. And then, and I think the story of my life, Billy, is you know, I'm getting good breaks. So then I go back to NC State as a video guy, and then Herb uh, had decided to go to Arizona State. And uh, Coach Sinek had decided, hey, you know, he's been, hey, I'll make a position for you. The time video coordinators weren't as, as prevalent as they are today. And I decided to stay at NC State just because – uh, all my contacts were on, on the East Coast. A guy named Pete Strickland came back, uh, was an assistant with Sidney Lowe. Pete Strickland uh, knew Herb, and Herb was like, hey, Ben's my guy. Make sure you take care of him. I got to know Pete well. A month later, a job, assistant job at William & Mary with Tony Shaver opened up, and I said, Pete, you know him. He said, I know Tony Shaver. He said, now, I got him to hire one guy. That guy quit middle of the year, so I don't know if he'll take my call. <laughs> he goes, but if he takes my call, he goes, and, and luckily, you know, again, universe, Tony Shaver had played a different style at Hampton City and won a ton of games. It was, it was an elite coach at Division Three level. William & Mary wasn't working offensively. Wanted to run a more Princeton-based two-guard set. I had wor- I had known that with NC State. So I had my foot in the door and got a chance to work in the, the CAA, was the youngest assistant coach. And Coach Shaver's an amazing man. And he, he gave me a lot of responsibilities uh, as a 26-year-old. And I kind of had to figure it out a little bit on the fly. And um, uh, so there, I went from there. And then, and then I had an opportunity to... Uh, one day I want to be a head coach, Billy. I'm really driven for that. And I know when I do it, it's going to be, you know, I need to learn year one. And Jamie and Christian, um, we worked together. William and Mary uh, had been an assistant VCU, got Mount St. Mary's job. And he said, Ben, he said, now he was an offensive mind. He said, you do the defense. I got the offense. He said, do you want to come? And I, I know I need to get better on the defense side of the ball. I also knew I could see a, a rebuild from year one. So I went there with Jamie and Christian and that was a great experience. I, I really saw year one. We had uh, a half a roster was great kids and, and half wasn't. And, and we had to figure out how to manage that. And I uh, went to an NCAA tournament and more proud of uh, some of the things we did off the court, uh, community service, uh, GPA, getting some guys that, that graduate from college the first time in their family. Uh, and then, and then West Point, Billy, uh, you know, West Point calls, it's, it's, it's different, right? You know, you're talking about one of the most prestigious places in the world, number one leadership Academy, uh, a, a chance to, 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 help serve our country. At the end of the day, we're still, rec- we're recruiting officers to, to the to most powerful team in, in the world, the U S army. And I thought it was going to be amazing at West point. And uh, it's infinitely better than I thought it could be. I, it's just, 
Uh, it's all about the people. And that's what makes West Point so special. And the people here, I'm amazed at how much they give back. And, and, and there's officers walking all around campus that have done more things in their world than, I, than most of us could ever imagine. They're the most humble people. Uh, they're the most people that give back the most. Uh, so my experience at West Point, I, I, I could talk about it all day. And it's all the people and the young man that we get a chance to coach and mentor. Uh, I'm in awe of them, of who they are and, and who they're striving to be in their futures. Sorry, Billy, that was a long-winded answer, man. But uh, I love coaching. I love my journey. And I've, I've been lucky. You know, you got to be lucky in this business. You got to be good and you got to be lucky. And Well, let's start uh, there. Yeah, go ahead. Because I disagree with you. Okay. Okay. Go. I love it. I love it. I believe that you make your own luck. And you you said this a few times. You said things broke broke my way for me. But the reality is you did the work to put yourself in the position to be successful. So so I'm curious if you can maybe go into one of those times where something broke the right way for you that you remember doing something that made a connection or doing something that made a lasting impression for someone right? Kathy Rossi's story is she cleaned out the refrigerator when she was an intern, right? And, and, and that was her way of getting dirty and, and going forward with things. So, so what's one thing that you did that in the moment, you were doing it because you knew it was the right thing to do, but it ended up being something that somebody valued, and then it later helped and something broke for you. I'll tell you what it is. I think it's, it's how you live your everyday life and how you go about it. And I think everybody really watches other people, right? And you, and my, you, you see how people work. And, and, I, and, I, and I do have a joy for life. I have a passion. I love what I do. I love people. And, uh, and, I, see, and, and I, I have five uh, character traits, uh, you know, personal traits, and, and one is a problem solver. So for me, it's, it's whatever's in front of me. I, 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 you know, I think too many people in life look at, look at a problem. They spend all the time talking about the problem, not about a solution. And I think every problem in life is a gift. And, and it could be from Barton where we had, hey, at Barton College, I mean, we had five scholarships and everybody else in Division Two has ten. We didn't have a full-time locker room. Our, 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 our pregame meal was five things off the dollar menu at Wendy's. And we built a national championship team. And, and, and we were going to find a way. So I think there's a piece of, I think it's a mindset. And I'll give credit to my dad. Um, my father, we had divorced parents. And, and um, when, I, when I spent weekends with my dad, I remember it was 9 o'clock at night. He was a doctor. He picked me up late at night. And he, made, he put in Zig Ziglar. I'm old. It was cassette test Zig Ziglar. And I, I listened to this positivity stuff and all this, you know, and now I look back and it say, man, I'm glad my dad made me for that 20 minutes on the way there. Listen to Zig Ziglar. Um, so I think that's I don't know if that fully answers your question, Billy, but it's, it's how you attack things um, and in your attitude and, 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 and making a difference. You know, everywhere I've been, we've been fortunate to be better off than we were beforehand. So I, I think I, I don't have an instance like Kathy. Um, I got and Kathy's Kathy's the best, but I, I don't have something like her. Well, I think you hit it, though. It, it's not one moment intermittently. It's every day how you do things, and those things stand out to people. And, and you know, you're using all these phrases and words that I love because problem solving, that, that's one of my core values as well as UPS, universal problem solver. And, oh, I love that. And so attacking things, right? Don't just let things happen to you. Like attack life is one of the things that I like to go by because I don't like to be a bystander. I like to be in the driver's seat and be making things happen for me. So we got we got down this road. I need to drive us back another direction because you said something about community service. And as a former college basketball coach, my antennas went up because those were some of the most joyful things that we did was getting on the community and engaging with others. What What's the greatest memory you have of an activity you did as community service that you think made a huge impact for your players? 
uh, Habitat for Humanity. Um, you know, each year at the Mount, we took one project that we were going to do, and we we're going to do it once, uh, once monthly. And uh, you know, we, we helped build some homes, um, and that was a touching situation because it was a single mother and a daughter, and we got to know just not that our guys were helping to build the house, that we got to know the person that was going to live in the house. Uh, and and I'll tell you the other moment with that was we had a guy named Sam Prescott who was a uh, uh, inner city Philly from the toughest possible area you could imagine, um, basically raised himself, big heart, and Sam struggled academically. But when he got there, it was like he was a foreman. Like he just started to attack building a house. And it was like Sam was in his own world. And, and I remember Sam saying, hey, coach, I think I can do this for a living. He's like, this is what I like. Like, cause he liked to get something in front of him, attack it. And then, and then, you know, kind of see the results and Sam's still playing, but I know Sam, that's something he's thinking about doing. And it, it was, it was full, uh, full scope because you got a chance to really help somebody, but then you also helped one of your players seeing something else that, Hey, this is something that really kind of fits me. That, that one really sticks out. And, and Sam's special, you know, Sam got a degree from Mount St. Mary's first in his, his family. And, um, that's why you coach. We went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and I also remember Sam, we won, and he was exhausted. And he played an unbelievable game at Robert Morris. And he sat on the bench and just kind of like there and put his hands in his face. And that memory is more important to me than winning the game because uh, he's overcome a lot in life and special moments. Sideline Interactive delivers digital and LED scoring tables and video boards that generate excitement in your gym and the ultimate game day experience for your players and fans. We provide you the blueprint and the game plan to generate $10,000 or more in sponsorship revenue every year. 95% of our schools generate enough advertising dollars during the first school year to pay for their purchase. Any school or college can qualify for no fee, no interest financing over two school years. We're ready and able to deliver your order to you within three to four weeks. The tables and boards can be used for any indoor sport, as well as watching game films, school assemblies, signing days, or any other event that is held in your gym. Visit sidelineinteractive.com or call 832-786-0302 to schedule a 15 to 30 minute live web demo to see our tables and boards in action and what these fantastic products can do for you. Or email sales at sidelineinteractive.com. A link to sidelineinteractive.com is in the show notes for today's episode. As many listeners know, I spent over six years as a general manager at Just the Game Fieldhouse in Wisconsin Dells. I was able to spend time talking hoops with coaches like Tom Izzo, along with high school and youth coaches, in addition to meeting some basketball legends, including my childhood favorite, Sam Elke, who is in the WBCA Hall of Fame and High School Basketball Museum, located at Just the Game Fieldhouse, which is a must-visit for any true hoop nerd. They also play host to the WBCA All-Star Games and Coaches Clinic every year. Just the Game hosts over 70 basketball and volleyball tournaments annually and is a great place to play for teams of all ages and ability levels. You can't beat all Wisconsin Dells has to offer in your free time. The Fieldhouse also has two sister companies in Just the Game Impressions and Just the Game Live. Just the Game Impressions specializes in customized screen printing and embroidery and promotional products. They serve businesses, schools, sports teams, and more. Just the Game Live takes pride in providing affordable and simple live streaming solutions for venues or programs of all kinds. Inquire today for more information. For more info on everything Just the Game has to offer, check them out at justthegamefieldhouse.com. Okay, you just hit it, so I'm going to keep us going down this track. As a program, at one of your stops, or maybe currently now, or what you envision for when you become a head coach, what's something that you do with your program that you think makes the biggest positive impact for your players 
as people for their lives going forward. I'm going to cheat if it's right, Billy, and do two different things. I'm going to do one individually and one as a team. Absolutely. Um, uh, what we do at West Point, I think, is, is, is a really is a great model. So we have uh, five different sessions that we'll do. Uh, it lasts about an hour, an hour and a half. Uh, and they tie in from um, core values that we have as a team to traits is like, how do you handle adversity? And what we do is we have, we have something called officer reps here, which are basically professors that work with our team. Um, we take one of our upperclassmen. They will work with one of our uh, officer reps and we'll give them, say, adversity. We give them three or four uh, phrases that we use as a team and give them a little bit of an outline. And then they go. And what they do is they'll spend time together. They put together a lesson. It's very interactive. They're working together. And then they present that to our team. And why it's so beneficial is, and our seniors will tell you afterwards when they get a chance to, is they speak in front of their peers. They get a chance, especially with, with, again, an army, it's different. This is going to be, you know, they're working with officers in, in, in the U.S. Army, and they're going to be peers. And so now, but they're, instead of them being a professor and a student, they're working on a project together. And, and then now all of a sudden, they, they learn how hard it is to teach. Uh, then they also learn, as we know, the teacher is always the learner. So they are teaching the value. So by them teaching the value, they will learn it the most. And then what's really cool is they start talking about legacy of other guys that, that carried over that value so it's really powerful for our team and, and our guys say it's it's invaluable and then i think it also is a value is it lets the younger guys see the older guys in a different light that wow the coaches trust them to stand in front of the team for an hour and present something and i'll steal that anywhere and it could be an assistant coach it doesn't be an officer ever pair them up and let them talk and then i think individually for me it's 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 one-on-one um one-on-one talks i spend a lot of time with our guys and i think the biggest thing is to um understand it's not about you it's about them what is on their mind and um so so what i mean by that billy is when someone comes in i'd be like how you doing well what's everybody saying i'm doing good coach billy how you really doing because in america that first question is just like you just say it to say it the second one says how you really doing coach i'm struggling you know i'm hey what's going on T- tell me more and then and then a couple couple traits i think that are really good to get people to talk is pause so it's really uncomfortable. When I pause, that gives you permission to continue to talk. Because a lot of times we jump in and interrupt in person. The second thing is, and tell me more about that. Because I want them to get everything off their chest. And then, and then the next phase is, what do you think you can do about it? Let them problem solve. Because we always want to jump in sometimes adults and, and give them answers. But the more that they can come to the this, this solution themselves, the more that they will buy into it, um, and most of us know what to do in our head. We just kind of need to get somebody to get it out. Uh, Michael Gervais, Gervais, that does an unbelievable podcast, uh, Finding Mastery, who's a sports psychologist for Seahawks. He talks a lot about he never gives advice. He said he asks the right questions. And for me, I've stolen that. When I talk to guys, I try to give so little advice. I ask the right questions and ask probing questions. And I think because life lessons, Ben Wilkins isn't going to always be there to give him advice. You know, they need to be able to solve their, we talk about problem solving. I'm going to give them the right questions so that when they face something else in life, they can ask the right questions to themselves. Yeah, the three Fs, find it, follow it, fit it. It's a Kevin Eastman deal. And and the same sort of situation, right? You give them the tools and they have to fit that tool to whatever situation they're in, whether they're in their construction business in the future and there's a problem or whatever it may be. They they have to be able to do that on their own. I think think that's huge. And, And actually, interestingly enough, the other night, um, I have a coaching friend who who will listen to this, so he'll know who he is. Was asking me about you know taking a different job, and I just kept asking him questions. And he said, "You never answered my question." I said, "You answered it for yourself." 
Yeah. Hey, but, and, that, and that's a great advice because here's the, here's the problem too, Billy, is he might value some different things than you do. So you don't know if he should take the job. You actually don't, right? Like you're asking, like we all, you and me view some things that we, you might care about, um, I don't know, location and I might care about money. Okay, well then, then then we're gonna we're gonna look at that job a little bit different different. So yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I'll, I'll keep throwing cliches at you. This is a great one too. Your position determines your perspective. You know, whether you're a head coach or assistant coach, you may have a different position in life. You know, age, gender, whatever it may be, and that determines your perspective on it as well. And so yeah, absolutely, giving advice. I agree with you. Uh, nobody should again be following someone else's footsteps. They need to live it for themselves. So, so, so let's talk about change. So tell me about an idea or a theory that you had early in your career that you have changed as you've progressed through your career because you've been presented with new information. Yeah, I, lo I love this question. Uh, uh, there's a lot of things. Um, I, I think the, um, the biggest thing I would say just in general is when I think I was a younger coach, it was more of uh, believing in... Um, set plays x's and o's um and, and thinking that was coaching right you know and and, and i think that, and unfortunately now it's even harder for for young coaches because you see all these cool plays on twitter and, and then everybody's like oh that's that's coaching and really what coaching is is can you teach your players how to play within concepts and how to make the right decisions and within that you know can they be good fundamentally and that's really what coaching is because that's really hard, you know, and if you watch a Porter Moser team play when they were at Loyola, like they just didn't make defensive rotation breakdowns. Like it just didn't happen. And like, that's coaching, you know, that's like, how can you get a player in, in a team to do the right thing every time? And that's winning basketball and it's fundamentals. And I, I, you know, it, fundamentals. And, and when I was younger, I don't think I really valued how important fundamentals were. It's just kind of funny when I think about it now, um, but now it's like, and you hear stories of Tony Bennett and, and Jay Wright, how simple and vanilla their practices are and how much it's all based on, on fundamentals. And then you also hear of NBA scouts, what teams in a time when John B. Lam was in Michigan, what three programs the pros are going to overreach their supposed potential and draft status. It was Villanova, Michigan, and, 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 and um, Virginia because of those fundamentals and they were taught the game. So that that's really where I stem from. Um, and, and to do that, I, I think where coaches can struggle a little bit, Billy, it's hard. Like it's really hard to be able to teach fundamentals, to teach concepts, to get people better. Um, and it's easier to do a set play. It's actually that's easy coaching. Like that's that's it, it's the fundamentals. And, and how can you do that? Um, that that's I think that's the biggest thing for me. And, and it's also lack of control a little bit. Right. In the game, you know, you, your real coaching is done during practice. Um, I really strongly believe that in-game adjustments are so overrated by the media and fans. I think your your true coaching is done during practice. I think during a game, you are, especially as a head coach, you are more of a sports psychologist. I think that's your biggest mode because now they're producing in the biggest pressure moments. Can you alleviate pressure when it's needed? Can you give someone confidence? Can you can What does your team need from you? And do that. Um, and it's usually not a, a, a cool play on Twitter at a, at a timeout. Yeah. Psychology, a, a extremely undervalued portion of coaching and meeting every player where they are. So, so you can have them read their potential for what they need. So as we wrap up, I want to talk about army and the uniqueness of it. And this question may fall flat on its face, but I have to ask it 
when I envision army, I think of teamwork because we're talking about groups of people coming together to achieve a goal. And ultimately as coaches in many other aspects of the world, that's ultimately what we want to achieve is the greatest amount of teamwork so we can function at our highest level with that being ingrained into them in their daily life, their schoolwork. Is there ever a portion in time where they're almost too selfless and they almost have too much teamwork and it backfires? Yeah, I actually, yes. Uh, it's a terrific question, Billy. Uh, and first you're right. I mean, our, our guys teamwork, uh, they're, they're, they care so much about each other. It's, it's second to none. Uh, and, and, and so it's who they are coming in and, and what West Point teaches. Where we really struggle a little bit is um, we struggle with, we're the number one leadership academy in the world, but I, I tell you where we struggle a little bit is when our, when our um, best leaders potentially wise are younger, they don't speak up as much. And I'll tell you why is at West Point, when you're a freshman, is a leadership model that's intentional here at West Point. And as a freshman, you're, you're taught how to be led. So you're kind of, you know, basic starts of basic training, which is led with juniors and seniors, kind of keep your mouth shut, right? And down the hill when you're a freshman, you're kind of told to just like, there's a pecking order. And the difference is when they come up the hill, it's down the hill, uphill here because of just the, there's a hill. Um, and when they come up the hill, it, it is, hey, this is a basketball team. You know, we had a kid, Tommy Funk, who's one of the best, players in Patriot history, school history, incredible leader, teammate, toughness. I can't speak enough about Tommy. But Tommy is a freshman and sophomore. We couldn't get that leadership out of Tommy that I think if he was at school, X would have been. Now, what I'll tell you is Tommy Funk as a senior and junior wouldn't have been the same leader. He's, he grew more in his time. But just that piece of that's, that's the piece. And I know that's maybe not teamwork, but that's leadership. That's, that's, that's the biggest thing. Okay, interesting. I, I am I'm curious that that didn't fall flat on my face with that question. So thank you for appeasing me with that. All right, last question, not basketball related at all. If you could have one superhero power, what superhero power would you obtain, and what would you do with it? Uh, since I love coaching, that's why I want to. I would fly, Billy, and I'll tell you why I want to fly. So like, I go to a recruiting event, I can fly there a lot quicker and go home. I don't have to sit in a car for three or four hours. Um, you know, we got a we got a long bus ride. Maybe I'll say, guys, I you know I, I'm going to be home a little bit earlier. Uh, I'm going to I think Superman can fly best, and we can drive. So I think just being able to get around in this business, uh, I think I would go flying. I think I think that's where I'm going to go. Time, a precious commodity. Coach yes. Wilkins, thanks for coming on the Hoop Nerds and sharing with us. Thanks, Billy. I really enjoyed it.